Oh, turn it up. Got your icon pass, power slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $259 adult? Okay. Done. This morning, as we know, we've we've wrapped up our stewardship campaign and we're also wrapping up a sermon series on the ever exciting book of Job. It's been a short sermon series, just two weeks. But in that short amount of time, a lot has happened in the life of Job. And in case you're like me and you took last Sunday off to sip espresso and eat croissants and, you know, do things like sleep in on a Sunday morning, let's catch up on what Job has been up to thus far. So Job is one of God's most faithful servants. Job had it all, wealth beyond anything that was measurable or anything that was really necessary. He had a family. He had a farm. He had health. He had friends who admired and cared about him deeply. Job was that person in the neighborhood, that person within our community that everybody wants to know and everybody wants to be with. But the story of Job pivots a little bit. Satan approaches God and challenges God, which, you know, I know is not a good idea to do, but we'll read about how it turns out. Satan thought that if God took away everything in Job's life, took away everything, that, he, that Satan could turn Job against God, take away his wealth, his family, his farm, his friends. See, Satan thought that Job was a faithful servant of God based on the blessings that God had placed in Job's life. So take all those things away. Strip all of that down. And Job's faithfulness, Satan thought, would wane. So God allowed this to happen. And over the course of a week, Job lost everything, his wealth, his family, his farm, and even his own personal health. Job was left in shambles. In reading this, I don't think it's unfair to allow Job to feel the way that he did. If any of us lost that amount, lost everything that we held dear in that short amount of time, I would be willing to guess that most of us would be in the similar predicament. Satan thought that Job's faithfulness hinged upon his understanding that good people, righteous people were rewarded by God, and bad people, unrighteous people, were later cursed by their creator. In Job's mind, Job believed that there was something that he had done, something that he had done to make him deserve what was happening. And his friends, three of them, confirmed Job's suspicions. Along with his friends, they examined every aspect of Job's life, looking for something, anything that could explain what had just happened to him. But Job insists over and over again that he has not done anything to warrant this kind of treatment. He has not done anything to deserve losing his wealth, his family, his farm, and his health. 
So Job does the only thing that he knows to do. He wants to hold God accountable. Job goes so far as to demand an audience with God. Job wants God to come down from heaven, stand before him, and account for everything that has happened in his life. Demanding anything from God is risky business because you might get what you asked for. And that encounter took place last week. God came down, spoke to Job, but in speaking to Job, God turned the tables on him. Here's what God said. Why do you confuse this issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're actually talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. I have some questions for you, and I want some straight answers. Where were you? When I created the earth, tell me, since you know so much, who decided on its size? Certainly you will know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? Who set the cornerstone? While the morning stars sang in chorus, and all of the angels shouted praise. And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb. That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen so it could not run loose and said, stay there. This is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to the space. God told Job that the wisdom Job sought to understand was not something that he, Job, could understand. What Job demanded was beyond his ability to comprehend because Job was not the creator. And that, my friends, is where we pick up today. So Job is still standing right in front of God. God has revealed secrets beyond imagine, Secrets of creation, something previously never revealed to humans and something not revealed to humans since. Imagine God revealing all of that to you, the blueprints for the universe. Awestruck, that's the only term, phrase, emotion I can think of to describe how I would feel. Job traveled the cosmos and is overwhelmed by what he has seen, but realized that in everything that he has seen, there is order. God is in control of all of creation, and Job goes through this journey twice. And each time, these mysteries are revealed to him. Job is 42 chapters long, and the previous 41 chapters have led to this exact moment in chapter 42. Our reading this morning is the culmination of the book of Job. It's the culmination of the good, and it's also the culmination of the bad that Job had experienced previously. What on earth will Job say to God, his creator? Job said, I'm convinced you, God, you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You asked, who is this muddying the water? 
confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes. I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on things that were beyond me, made small talk about wonders that were way over my head. Job just made a confession to God and an acknowledgement to God, recognizing the power of the divine that is present in our lives at times when we are unsure what is happening. The positivity that Job used indicates a shift in his thinking, a reorientation. You know, throughout the book of Job, well, prior to the bad things happening to him, he was a pretty positive guy. During the hardships he experienced, he turned pretty negative. And so this is the first time Job has been positive since the beginning of the book. And that positivity signals to us that something has happened and something is about to happen. What Job knows now having been intimately exposed to the mysteries of creation. What Job now knows, the truth, as my, our confirmands were discussing this morning, is that Job didn't realize what he didn't know. Job does not have the mind of the divine and cannot fully understand everything that God has just revealed to him. Job has confessed the limitations of what he can understand surrounding all of the divine mysteries. We learn from Job that he wants to know as God knows. He wants to understand the intricacies of creation just as well as the Creator knows them. In verse 3 and 4, Job doesn't have the words to express, so he uses God's own words in responding to God. Job has seen more than he will ever be able to understand. Our Creator's knowledge is too great and expansive to fully understand at a human level. God is who God is, and Job is who he is, and that was enough for Job. In his response, Job repents in dust and ashes meaning that he humbled himself before God and acknowledged before the majesty of God that his life had been changed. In this repentance, he reoriented his life. He sees who God is much differently now. And Job echoed the word of God, but he took it a step further to say that he doesn't know everything and he doesn't understand everything and that he's just going to leave that up to God. Much of what we do as Christians, as followers of a first century traveling Messiah, a lot of that is based on mystery. From the basic things of how exactly did Jesus turn water into wine, and how exactly were the 5,000 actually fed? Did Jesus feed them? Did the community rally and realize that they had more than enough to share with one another? And that's the easy stuff. We can talk about baptism and communion. And there's so much we do not understand about these holy mysteries. And yet, the mystery remains. And yet, the faithful continue to gather. There are aspects 
of what God has created that I myself will never understand. I will never understand the violence that exists in our world. I will never understand the hate that exists in our world. I will never understand the bigotry that exists in our world. And I certainly will never understand why illness is present. And I know that many of you have similar thoughts and questions. Throughout our holy texts, in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, and in our own encounters with the divine, God remains faithful to us. This covenant was established by God in the beginning with Adam. It moved to Abraham. It moved to Noah. It moved to David. And it, the crescendo brought us to Christ and the empty tomb. God does not turn God's back on us today, just as God did not abandon Job. One day, all of these things, all of these mysteries will be revealed to us by our Creator. In the meantime, though, we live in the confidence that God, our Creator, will remain faithful, even when we don't fully understand the mystery before us. Amen.